I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, the deadline darling. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? I'm so excited for this week. Almost said the week. deadline duchess. That, that was the word that came to my, my head first. <laughs> <laughs> so, somebody, I did see somebody tweet us the other day and say, I miss all the random nicknames that Nick gives Isaac because... And, even though in, they recognized that it was more work to do, but anyway, <laughs> it takes me five are. seconds to think of one thing. <laughs> but hey, today today's t- you listen to this on Tuesday, and man, on pod on on pod day on Monday, <laughs> every every day is a pod day. <laughs> every day is pod day. Uh, on Monday, there was a lot of trade podcasts released by Wosh, all the people you trust. And let's just get this out of the way right now. We listen to all of them. <laughs> I did listen to a lot of pods yeah. today. I was off work today because I was on a work trip over the weekend. So I was with my wife and uh, our 18-month-old. We went and had like a final ultrasound for our little girl, Ooh. which is coming in like three or four weeks. Uh, so I keep on telling her, get past All-Star Weekend. Get past right? Thursday. Just get yeah. past deadline. You got to get past deadline for sure. I would prefer past All-Star Weekend. I don't want to watch <laughs> All-Star stuff in the delivery room. So... Anyway, we're driving around today. Good family time, but I listened to all these pods, and my wife is like, I'm sick of Woj's voice. I don't like his voice. I'm sick of these people talking about NBA trades. It's amazing so, your wife would allow is- you to listen to pods while you're driving around. My wife would be like, Are we really are we really doing this? Are we really I normally I normally don't I normally don't do that, but she also she knows it's trade deadline week and kinda like All Star Weekend. She's like, Oh, yeah. I'm I'm pretty much I, I lost you for the weekend. She knows this week I'm all over the place. So yeah. It's fun. It's nice when it can be your job too. Like, babe, I'm working. Sorry, I'm listening to this. <laughs> yes, if I was not bringing in sizable income <laughs> from uh, podcasts, writing, all that stuff, then I don't know if I could get away with it. Yeah, it wouldn't be a good, good excuse. So that's uh, something to aspire to <laughs> for sure. Uh, all right, on the podcast today, we're going to get into all those rumors that we heard in all those pods and articles that we read Zach Lowe, Shams, Woj. Uh, Windhorse, Stein, so many people tweeting out today. Um, this is the start of it. I mean, this is, you're listening to this on a Tuesday. Some of this stuff might be old news. You know, stuff might have happened. We may have done an emergency pod by the time you get to listen to this podcast. Who knows? Anything can happen this week. This is what makes it so exciting. And then we'll get to the Mavericks win over the Pacers. We will save time for that in the second segment. Um, we know the trade stuff is the biggest stuff, but this is an exciting game. Another game without Luka, another win against a good Eastern Conference team without Luka. What is that? Three now? Can't count the Hawks. So three wins against yeah, I mean, good Eastern Conference teams without Philadelphia. Luka. Yeah, <laughs> that's wild. So we'll get to that game for sure. Uh, but let's start with this. Um, okay, this is from Mark Stein. The Mavericks still seek a wing upgrade after the acquisition of big man Willie Colley Stein, but league sources say that Dallas has maintained its reluctance to join the Andre Iguodala trade chase, as reported here in December. It is also not actively bidding on Robert Covington. As ambitious as it sounds, Minnesota has sought two first-round picks in exchange for Robert Covington in advance of Thursday's trade deadline. Let's see where the Wolves land, slash if and when they actually want to deal him. 
with uh, you know Philly and Houston at the front line of the uh, the Rocco line. Two firsts for Robert Covington. I I, I kind of feel bad for him, really. And it's kind of like the C.J. McCollum thing when the ES, when ESPN did their top 100 player rankings in the offseason. And, you know, they put C.J. McCollum at 13. Then he became a joke for everyone. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> Exposure tar- can be a problem. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the target's on his back. And kind of like how, you know, Zach Lowe was talking on his podcast, you know, yesterday. And it's like he's one of the most overrated players in the he's league. The, I, I wrote it down. I think Robert Covington is a top 10 overrated player. That's what he said. Probably because he's one of the only available players around right now and he's you know was first team all defense a year ago and he can shoot 38 percent from three like that is a valuable commodity and there's so many teams that want that right now like literally teams that have been reported as wanting a wing and a big the mavericks the rockets and the uh who's the other one the clippers Clippers. houston the mavericks no mavericks rockets there's one more oh i can't clippers clippers i think wasn't yeah they want a wing and a big you're like all these teams want the same thing, and Robert Covington is one of those things exactly in a tradable contract. I know, and that's why I, kept, I feel bad for him because I think he's a, he, he will be a really good piece for whoever trades for him. Yeah. And I think I think Minnesota will get a first-round pick for him, whether it's the Clippers or Milwaukee and that Indiana pick. Or they or, squint real hard, and it's the Golden State second, and they're like, oh, that's a first, right? That's close <laughs> enough. Hey, that's really valuable. And so Gives I, him a I seat think, at the table with Robert Covington, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the Covington stuff, <laughs> you suck. Um, <laughs> so but, I love doing this pod so much, <laughs> guys. I love this pod so much <laughs> with Covington. Oh man, I I hate it for him because he is a really good piece for a team, and now it, he's just going to be kind of overrated by everyone. <laughs> and depending, now, I am curious on what they will land for. If they do, it sounds like like Woj said on his podcast that he expects him to be traded, which really surprises me on Minnesota's front. I just wouldn't trade him if I was him. Yeah, this is from Shams today about Robert Covington as well. Minnesota has been engaged in talks regarding Covington, whose suitors include Dallas, Houston, Milwaukee. Uh, the Mavericks and Rockets discussed potential deals for Covington in the offseason. With the Mavericks having their 2020 Golden State second rounder and the Rockets dangling future first round compensation, still some executives have worries about Covington's remaining two years and $25 million deal and injury concerns. That last sentence is the one that interested me. Still some executives have worries about Covington's remaining two years on his deal and $25 million and injury concerns. Okay. This is where we get start to see the game. And this is what we love about this, this time of year right now. You have... Sources and stuff coming from everywhere, right? The sources are either from the teams or they're from the agents, right? Rarely does it ever come from the player. But in Andre Iguodala's case, it is coming straight from the player all the time. That's one of the weird cases. But you have to look at every single bit of information that comes out this week and try and decipher, is this from the agent? Is this from the team? Who would benefit the most from this coming out? Because teams aren't going to share stuff just to share stuff, unless it's Woj or Shams, right? Like... And there's only a certain number of people that we trust with Mavericks news, right? This is your thing. So give your give your thing. This is your thing every single year on the trade deadline. Really, all year round that there's only there's only a handful of people you trust. When you, you got Shams and the big guys, Shams and Woj, you know, Mark Stein, Tim McMahon. That's that's your four main people. Then on a local level, I trust Brad and I trust Tim Cato now. Tim Cato's been rolling yeah. on the beat there, for, you know, for a bit. Friend now. of the pod, and both of them. Friend, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, full time. Uh, 
Mavericks rider and everything. So I would st- stick with those guys. When it gets outside of that, it gets a little scary a little bit. But it, I trust those people when yeah. it comes to Mavs news. So there you go. Let's let's just leave it at that. Yeah. So if something comes up, just comes across your your ticker, comes across your your tweet deck, comes across your phone that says Mavs blah blah blah, and it's connected to a a name that's not those. Take it with a grain of salt, right? Yeah. And so, so that's what we take. But this specific thing about Robert Covington is fascinating to me, and I'll tell you why after this. Yeah. You weren't ready for that one. All right, Isaac. Let's get into uh, this thing about Robert Covington that was in Shams' piece uh, that was mostly about the D'Angelo Russell Minnesota Infatuation, which I just hope he, I hope he goes there because I don't think that's going to work out in with the Warriors next year if but Clay wow, and Steph are back. Wow. I want to see Towns with somebody like Towns. Just I don't want him to waste away over there like Garnett. I want to see him with somebody somewhere else. I just don't understand if you're Golden State why you would even entertain anything with Minnesota. Minnesota like, might have touch. Like okay, Minnesota might be able to give them. What if they can give them another? Give them their first. That's going to be no. high, right? I don't care at that point. But then, okay, so but then you have your first as the Warriors, yeah, and their first, yeah, and then what's what's that going to get you? You can't match salary with anything. You don't have contracts. But you, you're you, not going to travel one of your guys. You would get them back. You would get the contracts back with the gold with the D'Angelo Russell deal. Okay, and package that. I mean, that, you know, I, you can package I that just, around the draft. Is what I'm saying. I just think if I I think if I'm another team and a bigger name hits the market, the Warriors pick and D'Angelo Russell will get me. A bigger package than whatever crap contracts they're going to throw out there in Minnesota, and then they're first. So, like, yeah, you're going to get a top five pick. Minnesota's pick that'll be what ten or eleven, maybe eight, nine. You're no, like, they're cool. bad. They're they're bad. They're set. Okay. the second worst team in the West. Right now. You get two top ten draft picks in. Well, th- a remember horrible the draft. Remember the odds are flat now. This could be the, this could be a fifth or sixth pick in the draft. Like, yeah, cool. So yeah, you get this could be the two, top. This could be the number one pick. You get two. Top five picks in a bad draft with Gorgie Jang. And, go. and give him Covington, too, to match salaries. Sure. If you do I that, then all, sudden, then all of a sudden you're draft. coming back with Steph, Clay, Covington, Draymond, the two picks that you can package for somebody else. But or, you'd have to attach Covington or somebody else with that. Because they just don't have them. Like they To trade those two picks, they need to attach that with money to bring on a guy that you're probably going to be – that's going to be making 20, at least 20, 25 yeah. a year. It, anyway, that's just – that's my thoughts. It probably won't happen, but it's interesting to see what Minnesota tries to do. But anyway, with the Covington stuff, some executives have worries about Covington's remaining two years, $25 million, and injury concerns. This is the pushback from the other teams. Yeah. This is the pushback of them saying, all this right – Daryl Morey. This is Daryl Moore. This is maybe Donnie Nelson. This is coming back and saying, you know, two firsts. Interesting. Um, we kind of are worried about those two years, the twenty-five million, and then he has been hurt, right? Like he's been, he's missed some games. So I don't know. Trying to trying to push down the price. This is you in the used car lot, looking yeah. around at the car and being like, I don't know. It doesn't have automatic windows. <laughs> like that's kind of a deal yeah. breaker for me. You know, like finding the little things and. Uh, Automatic windows would be ridiculous if you didn't have if you didn't have it in a car now, but it's still out there, I guess. My dad has a truck with not automatic windows, um, but this is the teams pushing back, and I find that stuff kind of interesting. The dance, you know, the public dance of trying to push the price down and then raise the price back up and then push it back down. Right now, 
Uh, so with Robert Covington, we're going to see this the whole time. I think until he gets traded, which Woj says that he thinks he's going to get traded, um, then we're going to see this until the very end. And hopefully the teams win out and they push the price all the way down so the Mavs can get you know that seat at the table. And eventually, I really don't think that'll happen. I'm just saying crazier things have happened during the deadline, but very uh, true. Yeah, I just think I think when push comes to shove, um, I think the that Clippers Mo Harkless first rounder. You know, all of that, I think that could be a little bit more appealing. They still have Jerome Robinson, something else they could throw in there yeah. for Covington. Um, I think the Capella stuff, I mean, it whether it's Boston or, you know, he goes to Atlanta and, you know, it's the, yeah. those three-team type of things that I think, you know, could get Houston, you know, Covington at that point. Yeah. So, and I'm not expecting Covington to be a Maverick past the deadline. But if he is, I'll be super, super happy. He's like the number one available guy for us, right? Maybe Bogdan would be the most fun. I said that today. The Bogdan would be the most fun. I don't think that's possible. But I think I would take Covington over Bogdan. I think on court fit wise, I think I would take Covington over Bogdan too. Okay. But fun wise, if I just wanted to have fun, which is what I'm all about, then yeah, bring me Bogdan. Okay. Um, Zach Lowe mentioned he he was just purely speculating that he thinks that the that Memphis has the the Mavs package of uh, Lee and the Golden State pick as their back burner, like 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 last resort plan for Iguodala. Um, Mark Stein has said that they are not bidding for for uh, or they're not going after Andre Iguodala right now. But here's another thing we need to remember about the, about the Mavs: we didn't hear anything about the Porzingis stuff. We didn't hear anything about yeah. Nerlens. We didn't, like all these things. We didn't hear anything about Willie Holly Stein. Right? Like that's even a, that's a smaller one. But these some of these big things. We don't hear anything from the Mavs. And if we do, it's like very specific targeted information that comes out that, you know, can be is is used for like leverage and different things like that. But Mavs come out of nowhere with some of these trades. And that's kind of that's what's exciting about right now. Yeah, especially, you know, as Mavs fans, if you've been, you know, covering or not covering, but like following the team for a while, you know, that's just how Donnie and them operate. They like to keep things, you know tight lip they you know the Porzingis thing like you said just came out of nowhere so um Tim McMahon's been open on different pods different forums saying (laughs) hey like I I know that they're telling me stuff but I know it could you know very likely be a lie so that's just part of it said that on the podcast with Lou today that was hilarious um you know a wrinkle to the Andre Iguodala stuff was David Aldridge's tweets uh, tonight I think Aldridge is with the athlete athletic tonight but uh or now but he says per league sources andrea godala is prepared to set out the rest of the season if miss memphis isn't able to orchestrate a trade with one of the agreed upon teams he designated by thursday's trade deadline continues iguodala and memphis mutually agreed he would not report to the grizzlies while the team tried to find a trade partner the 36 year old is yet to play after being traded by golden state to the grizzlies last summer so it's very clear. I mean, everybody's reported that you know he would prefer to land in L.A. if it, you know if he's bought out. He'd like to be on one of those L.A. teams. People have speculated if he hits free, you know, once he hits free agency this summer, he could go back to Golden State. All that stuff. I wonder how how hardcore these group of teams are that he's given Memphis. That Memphis that they've both like agreed upon to where if they did trade him to a team that was not one of those teams. Is is this saying that he won't report to you know a, a different team or he won't? It, so it gets I, that situation gets really tricky. Yeah, um, who knows? And Porzingis wasn't the Mavericks weren't on Porzingis's list, right? So like exactly. some of this stuff happens, and who knows what posturing is going on? 
Uh, Kevin O'Connor just tweeted that the, or he tweeted earlier that the Knicks and Hornets had talks about Julius Randle. Interesting. Yeah. Julius Randle. I mean, we kind of briefly threw out his name when we were t- going around the league as far as like Knicks and different teams. The Knicks in general right now, what what the heck are they going to do this week? It feels like everybody on their team outside of RJ Barrett, maybe Mitchell Robinson is uh, available at some point. I guess the Marcus Morris and a lot of people are starting to shoot that down right now, but uh, making a, a bid at D'Angelo Russell, sure, go for it, Knicks. Is there anybody in the Knicks that you would want Dallas to, I mean, even entertain at yeah, this point? Yeah, we, we, we went over the Marcus Morris stuff the other day, and we're not interested at all now. No. Um, Reggie Bullock was the one that I mentioned the other day that we were kind of bad. Okay, yeah, I forgot about Reggie Bullock. That's Bottom kind of a low-key wing. But. That's a low-key wing that the Mavericks could could grab that would upgrade the, the backup spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, like okay, uh, Zach Lowe's article today mentioned Drew Holiday a lot. Uh, but he also mentioned that he's available. He doesn't really. Drew Holiday himself doesn't want to be traded, but he's available. But it's a steep price, and I think this just kind of really threw the Mavericks out completely out of anything that, of any realm of possibility to get Drew Holiday because they don't have firsts, right? They don't have first round yeah. picks. They don't have enough young players to give them that they'd be interested in. Yeah, and, and you know, even in that ESPN pod with Lowe and Windhorst and them today, you know, they spent a little bit debating the Michael Porter for Drew Holiday if Denver would put Porter on the table. You know, Dallas just doesn't have a prospect, you know, that's anywhere close to the Porter, you know, outside of what? Outside of the, the current MVP that is younger than him, right? What do you mean? The current the current like MVP candidate, Luca. <laughs> no, I mean outside of the their top two players that they're not going to trade. I know, but he is a prospect <laughs> still that is No, oh, no, yeah. So they just don't none of the other surrounding pieces uh, in Dallas, they're going to get close to that. You know, they don't have the first, like you said. So it's just Drew Holiday. I've said this, you know, before. He is the one type of player that we just heard his name mentioned this, you know, this time around that I would cut into that 2021 cap space for because it would be a, a perfect fit in Dallas. But I just don't think they have the pieces for that. And everybody knows, like fans and everybody. I mean, Zach Lowe mentioned today that. You know, basically Dallas's package is the Courtney Lee expiring, you know, the second round picks, you know, they have, you know, some of the, you know, the fifth starter guys that we've talked about. And now that they're all playing so well over these past few games and just everything, it's going to be hard if Dallas does attach one or two of these young guys in a deal this week. I could see the fan base really uh, kind of splitting on it if they, you know, include somebody like a Jalen Brunson or a DeLon Wright or something like that in one of in a bigger deal this week. I could see a lot of Mavs fans really uh, kind of split and arguing on that because they've been playing so well lately. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, coming up. Or anything else you have on this? Actually, one more thing we had on the, on the deadline. Um, Sam Amico mentioned that uh, there are three teams interested in Tristan Thompson, uh, Toronto, Houston, and Dallas. However, <laughs> he mentioned that a, an opposing GM, not so not one of those GMs, told him that these teams should be or he thinks they are interested in Tristan Thompson. So, again, grain of salt <laughs> right? With, with some of these things. I, I do wonder, you know, if it, yeah, I mean, we're, we're all assuming that the Willie Colley Stein, you know, trade, the fringe trade of adding uh, Willie kind of takes Dallas at, out of the adding a big man equation. Uh, I do wonder if that's, you know, completely true come, you know, come the deadline and, uh, I've assumed so, but we'll see how that plays out. And, and it's just a reminder. I've seen, 
you know, we all get excited right now. We've all gotten tweets and stuff today, yesterday. The Mavericks, you know, everybody's like, who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? I'm not hearing anything. What's Dallas doing? Blah, blah, blah. Just like we said earlier in this podcast, Mavericks really don't float things out a lot. A lot of things, when it, when Dallas makes a deal, a lot of times it just happens. Bam. Bam. Dallas trades for Willie Cauley-Stein. It just, a lot of these things just happen. So, don't freak out. I, it's going to be fun. Man, I'm glued to my phone over these next few days, and it's going to be fun. I can't wait. It's going to be fascinating. All right, coming up, let's get into the um, game. The Mavericks actually played a game. There's games actually going on right now. So they get into the Pacers game coming up. All right, Isaac, let's get into this Mavericks win. Another Mavericks win without Luka Doncic. Another Kristaps Porzingis monster game. I mean, absolutely a monster game from him. Uh, 38 points, almost his career high of 42. Actually, 40 is his career high. 38 points, 12 boards, no blocks, which is stupid, but he was going up against Sabonis, and we'll talk about that. 6 of 13 from 3, 12 from 12 from the free throw line. The first, one to do, first Maverick to do that since Dirk, which is going to be a, a, a phrase we say a lot in this era. <laughs> first yeah. one to do this since Dirk. First one to do this since Dirk. <laughs> um, man, Kristaps Porzingis, let's just start there. I mean, what's gotten into him? Yeah, man, man, that first quarter was fun. I think he hit four threes in that first quarter, and they had, you know, they had Miles Turner on him, and it, it's kind of one of those things where, like, after he hits the first couple of threes, it's kind of like it kind of reminded me of the Zion four minute stretch in his first game. It's where Yaka Pertle and the Spurs, like, after a guy hits like two threes, it, step out on him, you know, like, what, what are you doing? Why are you still leaving him open? And Porzingis, especially Miles Turner, bro. Like, after Porzingis already hit a couple, let alone like not even hit a couple, like. You, it has to be in your game plan, you know. If you're going against Porzingis, hey, once you get out on him, you know, dare the seven three guy to drive on you, maybe, and uh, which I was fine with because he just let him, you know, giving him space. Porzingis was draining it. I actually thought Miles Turner played a really good first half, by the way, too. So I thought he um, he was scoring over Porzingis. I like that match. It was it was a fun matchup to watch. But yeah, man, Porzingis aggressive, hitting his shots, you know. The big question, you know, right now with Mavs fans that, you know, both of us have gotten tweets on tonight after the game is, you know, the fit with Luca. Why is he doing this with Luca? Or what's the difference? Blah, blah, blah. A lot of times, I don't want to be like just making it super simple. A lot of times, just making shots. I mean, Porzingis hit six threes tonight, but a lot of those threes were the same exact shots he's getting when Luca's out there. So sometimes he, it, it's, it, it might be a mindset. It, it's not, I want to say this, it's not like he's getting. These shots that he got tonight as far as three-pointers and hitting those six threes, it's not like those shots are not coming when Luka's on the floor. I think for Porzingis, and this is something he's going to have to work through being the second option now. This is when when we say Porzingis is now the second option and he's going to have to figure out how to be the second option. He is used to the ball touching his hands a lot, getting the, the ball in his hands, feeling yeah. it, getting the rhythm of it, maybe putting up some shots in the paint. I mean... He took 13 threes, but he took 20 shots. So he took, you know, and he had 12 free throws. So he had the ball in his hands a lot, you know, taking all those shots. You know, all those free throws are all times when he had the ball in his hands and he either attempted a shot and made it or, you know, missed a shot. But the um, the thing that he has to, to get used to is the rhythm, the rhythm of being the second guy, not getting the ball in your hands all the time. Because in these kind of games, we're seeing him – Get the ball in his hands a lot and feel that, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Come on, man, it's it's Porzingis time, right? Like that's what we're seeing, and he's hitting these shots. 
he has to feel that out when Luca is out there. And Luca, in the same way, also has to feel out how to empower Porzingis in that way more to to work together. Luca, super ball dominant. Obviously, it's been super effective, but for the Mavericks to get to their very highest peak, both those guys have to be hitting on all cylinders. And to do that, they both have to kind of come to the middle, meet in the middle a little bit. This is the LeBron and D Wade thing, right? Like they're both super good. And uh with both of them handling the ball all the time, their team's going to be awesome. But together, if yeah. they you know meet in the middle a little bit, they can throw the alley oop with the picture of Wade putting his hands out that we all hate. Like yeah. that's what that's what they have to do. And Luca's twenty, and Porzingis is twenty four. Like they're going to have time to figure. This is their first year playing together. They're going to figure this out. Uh, but we're seeing flashes of you know mm-hmm. what both of them can do separately and when they put it together it's going to be just amazing so I, I think that that's my thing and i'm going to keep going i'm going to keep hammering that home until we start seeing it from them yeah you know it kind of goes to the the role players too when it you know these role players playing big games you know dorian finney smith and you know Jalen brunson's big game the other night and you know maxi kind of had a down game tonight he's one for six from the three-point line but some of these role guys stepping up when luca's not in there and it kind of it kind of reminds me that okay it's possible for them you can have the same you can have both of these mindsets at the same time and it'd be perfectly fine that they enjoy playing with luca and they love winning basketball games that way and also hey, we're going to enjoy getting the ball more and being able to shoot the ball more and hold the ball more whenever Luca's not playing. And it, it kind of reminds me, I was just reading earlier today, y'all know I'm a huge Baltimore Ravens fan and all this stuff. I was reading um, athletic article on, it was this Q&A about free agents coming to Baltimore to play with Lamar Jackson. And they were talking about, hey, what about you know big name free agents? They were talking about AJ About how Green, no one some, wants to? No, they were talking about will Lamar, will Lamar be like an attractive pull for some of these guys, and they're talking about how much you know players love Lamar, but it might not be that appealing to some of these top free agents because they know that there's still going to be a, a a run dominant team. But but if you want to go far in the playoffs, if you want to be on a, in a winning situation, you know that this is centered around a superstar in Lamar Jackson. And I think in a way, it's kind of like the Mavericks situation where you have these role players, you know Luka's going to dominate the ball. You know you're going to win basketball games, and he is an MVP type candidate. You know you're going to fit into these roles. But when Luka does set out some of these games, it's also fun at the same time, and it kind of rejuvenates you that, hey, I can be a little bit more free with the ball. Whether it's Porzingis, some of these, you know, um, some of these other like guys like Dorian and stuff, I could do a step back three. I could shoot the ball a little bit more. I could put the ball on the you know, floor a little bit more. So I think they're enjoying it, but it's not a shot at Luca at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's more opportunity, right? Like it's it's for the better of the team that Luca is out there, right? And and uh, steps up and is you know carries the ball and they had the, they had the best offense in NBA history when Luca was, <laughs> was handling the ball as much as he did, but um, with uh, but when when Luca doesn't have the ball, sorry, something's totally threw me off. I got a message that totally threw me off. <laughs> threw is off it a my, certain tweet? Threw off my train. No, I didn't see a tweet. Uh, is okay. it the Jimmy Butler thing? Yeah, yeah. So Jimmy Butler. Well, this is a separate thing, but Jimmy Butler apparently said. Uh, after he dropped 38 and three quarters against the Sixers, he said, I felt like Luca out there. That's super random. I know. Maybe he's just giving love, but. I don't know. Tampering? Tampering? Trade target? <laughs> anyway, keep going. Yeah, anyway. No, I had totally <laughs> lost my train of thought. 
Um, oh, it's so it's if if he's out, then there's all of a sudden all these shots for everybody, right? And so it's like everyone eats. Then after that, um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Man back twenty five points, four boards, five assists. He hit uh, four threes. I mean. That was that was massive for them. We talk about Porzingis a lot, but Tim Hardaway Jr. being that secondary scorer was exactly what they needed in this game. Yeah, and some of them were I mean, some of them were bad shots, but some of them just went straight in. Uh, some of them were contested threes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he shot the lights out of the ball. You know, we talked about KP and stuff, but I think you know what one Dorian had another another double double, fifteen points, eleven boards. I thought he played a great game. His offensive rebounds still are amazing, amazing. The the challenge call against Porzingis and Oladipo at the end of the game, that was a foul. Like I don't get it. Why was it reversed? Oladipo hits his arm at the top. There's like this you, there's like this if you're clapping hands with somebody, that it's like not really a foul. Right? And so Oh my gosh. I, it's, they call yeah, ninety nine percent of the time. It's like this subjective, you, like weird thing, but that's that's my only take on that. Is that I think I, that that's like I don't know. They called they called a tech on Dorian for yelling and wanted a ref. So I don't know what was going on. That was so dumb. I don't know what was going on there. Um, Here we are. Here we are again. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. That we'd be complaining about the refs again. (laughs) In a game that the Mavs won by by nine without Luca, we're complaining about the refs. Who are these people we've become? A couple smaller things. JJ Barea left in the first quarter, sprained his ankle, uh, didn't come back to the game. We can't, you know, Seth Curry didn't play in this game. Knee tightness. I'm monitoring that situation, by the way, just a little bit. Anything uh, Seth Curry with leg stuff, I'm, I'm all monitoring. in monitoring. Like all, I'm. That after what was it, 2017? Like I just cannot take anything. Wow, that was anything lightly, right? Wasn't it 2017 or was it 16? I can't remember now. When somewhere through there, there what, when uh, Seth Curry was supposed to be day to day before the season started, he was supposed to be expected to be ready for the season opener. He didn't play the whole season with like shin uh, splints. It was like this crazy thing that we still don't even understand. But yeah, um, Willie Collins Down only got six minutes in this game. Yeah, well, some people tweeted at us and said, "Why is that?" I don't have an answer, so <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave that at that. And uh, we did I don't know two thousand a turnover. I mean, I know that the space they did like the space in this game. When you have something like Miles Turner, it's not going to step out, or a Sabonis that's not going to step out and guard a three, and you're basically running, you know, KP or Maxi at the five at all times. Then I kind of get it at that point. So, uh, side note on Sabonis, man, he's amazing. If if you attack him for being an all star, I don't I don't understand it. But he he is an all star. I love his footwork. I've talked on this pod before how much I loved his dad, Arvita Sabonis, and gosh, he you love he his footwork just, so much. Get off me! How much do you, you don't love, like? How much do you love his footwork? Guys? You don't like basketball players with nice footwork? <laughs> Not a feet guy. Okay. I'm not afraid to say it. Um, Sabonis, 26 points, 12 boards, nine assists, almost a triple double on this one. And KP mentioned him in the post game. He did, you know, he did. He bodied KP a few times in the post, and just, you know, one time he just lowered his shoulder, then dunked right on him. I'm convinced Sabonis, if Jalen Brunson was a 6'10 power forward, he would be Sabonis. <laughs> the, the like, this super is your weirdest like, take. Uh, he, hear me out. He's he, like a super smart player. Their dads lefty. both played in the NBA. Dads both, play, both played in the NBA. Lefty. Super Whoa. smart, not like extremely athletic, you know, yeah. like, you know, so great footwork in the paint and yeah. everything. Yeah. It, that's just that. That's my comparison right there. Um, but no. Yeah. 
KP after the game in uh, his chat with uh, Harp and and Mark about the game. You know, they asked him. They said about thirty eight points. Blah blah blah. And Porzingis' first reaction to that was, you know, I got to work on my defense. <laughs> my defense was bad tonight. He said I allowed too many points to Sabonis in the paint, and you know, he praised Sabonis for you know getting uh, getting better over the offseason and stuff. So I thought that was cool about you know Porzingis, but it also recognizes how good Sabonis is. And I thought Sabonis you know, played a great game. Yeah, it helped that the Pacers shot 7 of 34 from 3. That's 20%. Victor Oladipo, who is just, since coming back, just bombing threes and praying that they go in. He was 1 of 10 in this game. Um, He had a a 3 to tie the game to go into overtime. And then I just think he's just been bombing since then. (laughs) In a a different game? Yeah, in a different game. He hit, his his first game back, he hit a 3. And it was the only 3 he made all game. (laughs) And he only hit 1 in this game, too. Um, and Oladipo's coming off the bench. Yeah. If you didn't get to watch the game, you know, it's not like he's, you know, rolling in there starting at the same exact spot. You know, the easing back in, came off the bench, still played pretty well uh, for the most part. But uh, random question for you. If you could only have one of these two players on the Mavericks, would you take Brogdon or Miles Turner? Oh, gosh. Brogdon for sure. Okay. I think well, I if I too. get contract too, that might be tough because I think Turner's is half of what Brogdon's is. Yeah. Okay. Um, my last point about this game, and I think for me this was the stat of the game. I tweeted it out, but Mavericks are 22 of 23 from the free throw line. Let's go. Chris Asperzingis, 12, 12 from the free throw line, like you said. And uh, is it a coincidence that they only miss one free throw as a team when Luka doesn't Stop. play? Stop. Get out. Whoa! Get out of here. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Just Mavericks kidding. get their 31st win of the season. We're, we're getting close to last year's win total, 33. That's insane. That's wild, and this is this is a huge. You know, you brought up the win total, and you know where where it sets in the West right now. The Mavericks are thirty one and nineteen. The Rockets are in you know fifth place, just a half a game above the Mavericks right now, thirty one and eighteen. But this is you know the big thing when it comes to trade deadline, and big for the Mavericks now too, because we haven't had to worry about this over the past few years. We don't, yeah. we haven't really cared about standings over the past few years. But what yeah, are some we of these other... We just flip them upside down and we, we load Tankathon over and over and over again. Gosh, I haven't visited that site all season. But like the past few years, I haven't really cared as much what some of these... You know, there's some... Whatever. But for the Mavericks' sake, I haven't cared as much what some of these teams are doing. But Tiebreakers? Tiebreakers are a thing. Yeah. Tie, yes. We're like, <laughs> oh, wow, we got to care about tiebreakers. But like this week, you're not just ma- monitoring what the Mavericks do, but... What if Oklahoma City pushes their chips in and, and tries to upgrade instead of selling off? You know, what if you know if the Rockets can they can they pull off a bigger trade? Zach Lowe mentioned Oklahoma City for the Covington thing, and that would make them scary because they it, they're playing a bunch. We we know we saw them a couple days ago. They're they just play all these super young wings like Baisley and Hamdu Diallo and and who else? Uh, that's been horrible. Oh, Nerlens Terrence Ferguson. <laughs> Terrence Ferguson. Get off Terrence Ferguson. He's trash, bro. Campaign too. Campaign's back at the legends. Let's go. In the Dallas oh, organization. Let's go. let's go. Campaign, you're awesome, bro. Um you know what will Houston be able to pull off a deal that will make them actually better where you think they're better? Will Utah make any type of thing? I don't know what Utah would really do. Can Denver... I haven't heard you know, Utah on anything so far. I don't know. And so I just... I'm looking at those type of teams. Portland has... I, I want to say quietly, but not really because Damian Lillard's just on a whole different stratosphere right now. Yeah. 
you know, they're in ninth right now. Um, two games back from the A spot. That's going to be a fun race to the A spot, by the yeah. way. But, you know, when you look at these bottom half of the West, none of those top teams are going to, you know, besides the eighth seed, if let's say the Thunder do make a, you know, like a Covington deal or something like that, man, that's going to, they're not going to be an easy out for somebody in that top half of the West. And you know, the Mavericks are a team that, if you're one of those top three or four teams in the West, you know you're looking at this saying, I really don't want to play Dallas. Because you're the whole thing for Dallas is, you know, Luka is obviously Luka. You never know. I mean, he can go head to toe, um, <laughs> head to head with anybody, you know, in the league. But if this Porzingis situation figures itself out before the playoffs, you know, we're hoping for it to like fully figure out by next year. But if they figure this out to where this Porzingis can be unlocked with Luka at the same time and it's, at, these role players are hitting threes and stuff, that's the type of team that is really, really scary for, you know, yeah. I just know if I'm one of those top teams, I don't want to see Dallas when it comes to the playoffs. I want to see Dallas when it comes to the playoffs, and I know you do personally. But Oh, uh, oh yeah. All right, there you go. We'll be back tomorrow with more trade stuff. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.